0: little iPhone or whatever you have there. Anyway, you're going to love this powerful, life-changing, every single week podcast of Voice of Breakthrough. And I'm just going to say this because my finger wants to point, so that's when I know that I know. Woo! Okay, so where are we and what are we to do? And so Beauty Frashes Tuesday nights now is more of a mentorship to raise up leaders, amen? And we're going to get this out to leaders in other nations and those who are watching. It doesn't mean you can't get healing and set free. I encourage you to join our partnership or mentorship. If you're out of the USA, it's completely free of charge. And then you have access to hundreds of hours of video and teaching on every issue you could have probably ever had in your life, Um 20-some years of teaching all this. And so, so you can go and do your own research and, and be led of the Holy Spirit that way. But God put on my heart, the new season we're in is to really begin training and equipping and, and to really see all the ministers and all the leaders and all the people who are going to be matured in this hour. And so, you know, there's a lot of different gifts. There's hospitality. There's service. I mean, there's helps. There's giving. All those are callings. Amen. So as God's doing this and as we're learning his principles and the way he does things, it's not just for those who think they're going to actually minister in a church setting, okay? And so, so that's where he's going to take us how he wants to take us. So let me go back and say for those who are watching and hopefully a lot of our BFA folks are now tuned in. I believe with all my heart what God told me at the very beginning of, of 2020 when things were going wild that the church we are now in, and you can go read this, I think it's Matthew 24, but you can find it also in Thessalonians, where Jesus talks about um, the, that that's not yet the end days, but we're in the days of sorrow, he calls it, or travail. Which, if you study that word, it has, it's, it's the same understanding of a woman who is pregnant and getting ready to enter into the, the time of, of pregnancy. And for all the women who've gone through that, and, and we have a lot going through that at this church, <laughs> where we get these demonstrations <laughs> because we have a lot of, a lot of young uh, families having babies, you know, you also have some of those um, Especially after the first baby, and the more babies that come, you get these things called what well, they Braxton Hicks, where it seems like it's it, but it's not it. And and I think a lot of what's going on now seems like it, it is it, but it's not it. And but there, one thing about a pregnancy, especially when the Lord com, when God com, compares it to that, how many know it's not going to be a miscarriage? Amen. It's not going to be stillborn. What is going to be birth? Who. By the Holy Spirit in his people. By the Bride of Christ. The Bride of Christ coming together. Really mature. What's going to be birth. Is Holy Spirit getting the Bride ready. The Bride recognizing she's ready. Without spot or blemish. And the Bride beginning to cry out. uh, Come Lord Jesus come. At the same exact time. That the Holy Spirit cries it out. And those two things. When they come together. When, when the Holy Spirit says, yes, they're ready. And the bride has matured to such a place to go, yes, we're ready. Not get us out of here, it's so terrible. But we want you, Jesus. We want to see you glorified. We want to see your kingdom come. We want what you have for us. When we get to that, which, we're, think of it now, if we're in what Jesus is calling uh, the days of travail, then his calendar has changed. His time clock has changed to a countdown to his return. But he says it's not the end yet. So it's not those seven years. Amen? I'm not going to teach them revelations. We do that more on Sunday morning. It's not those seven years. Okay? So all the things you hear, read in revelations that happened during those seven years, they're not happening for real yet. But... Um, There is a lot of similarities because Satan's trying to make the church think that's where we're at. Amen. He's also trying to make it happen. Right? Because he doesn't want the bride to be ready. He doesn't want a perfected bride for Christ. He doesn't want that end time harvest. He doesn't want that to happen. So he would like to cause, for one thing, he would like to cause everybody to think we're in a season we're not. So they're all, I don't know what they're doing. I don't know what other people are doing, but hiding or jumping up and down, thinking they're going to rapture right now. And whatever they're doing that has them not, what? Holding back the Antichrist spirit. So I just want to put this out there. Everybody watching, every leader, every pastor, every person who's born again in the spirit of God should right now have an urgency in their spirit to hold back Antichrist. Ho! And actually to push him back where he has overstepped his bounds in the United States of America. To try to make, uh, to, he, what he's trying to do, he's trying to bring a dark ages. Amen? He's trying to get the Bibles out of the way. Shut up teaching. Shut up preaching. Shut up maturing the saints. Shut up things like this. Amen? Why? Because Satan knows Christ cannot return Until the Holy Spirit says they're ready. Until the bride is so in love with Jesus and so perfected. She says, not an escape plan, people. Amen? This isn't an escape plan. It's about glorifying God. Bringing in a harvest of souls for him. Because we're so in love with him. And we've gone from all about ourselves to brotherly love. From brotherly love to loving the lost. Amen? We're not there yet. Okay, there, there are some evangelists who just have that gifting to save the lost. But overall, as a church, we're, we're just not there yet. But, but God's stirring that. He, he's so, so everything I'm watching now, when I see what God's doing, I'm excited about. Because what he's worked in me in 2020, just to be honest, is, is brotherly love. I didn't have that before. I was more critical of what other ministries were doing. I was judgmental. I could see things they were missing. I could see a lot of things with discerning of spirits. I could see things knowing the word of God and how some things were being misrepresented. Uh, and so I was more like, I won't say aha, but uh, you know, and, and the Lord somehow supernaturally through what he's brought us through and things we've seen, he's given me a heart for the brother's and the sisters in the Lord, and and leaders, which is amazing. Amen? So how many know you need to wake up and see that you're being changed from glory to glory. You need to know that you're on this path of being made into the likeness of Christ. Amen? If you're still sitting there in the same place you've been for 10 years, you don't even know how really dead you are inside. Amen? So, so I want us to wake up to the time and the season that we're living in, and we should quit being so. so if we would get our eyes on God and on His kingdom, Amen, and see what He's doing, Satan wouldn't keep on bugging you with the issues He's bugged you for all this time. Some of you have not overcome things, and it's really simply because you keep looking at that thing, which makes the devil so big, and and God's really almost irrelevant to you. He, he's an afterthought. And then everything is a baby steps. God, take care of me. God, take care of me. And God is saying, I already did. I already sent my spirit. I'm going to teach you to do this stuff. And so tonight's part of tonight's topic is um, getting right to fight. So you have to get right between you and God and right. And you need to start having a, if you almost say a starting point. If you're running a race and you've gone around and around and around and around like the wilderness, right? If, you, if it, there's a circle and there's, no, there's nobody saying, okay, um, I know like in car races, they finally flag it and say, okay, you went around enough. You can stop now. You know who won? But if, but, but if you just look at in general, if you run in the same circle, you'll never come to a finish line. However, if you're running a straight race, there's usually a place where it ends. Amen. And you don't go back around the same stuff. It's all new scenery the whole way. So God wants us to get into the race where there's new scenery the whole way. And some of you got to realize Satan has me on this little circle of a track where there's no no real ending. And you need to get off that track. You're running the wrong race. You're not in a race that you can win. You're in a race where Satan is having a good time uh, wearing you out. Don't grow uh, weary with good doing, and in season, you'll reap. All right? So, some of you need to get off the race track you're on. Take your little selves off of it. How do you do that? Because you get right before you fight. You're not even trying to fight. You just run, around, around. God, help me. God, help me. God has already done all that he's going to do. Amen. He said, it's finished. He meant it. And then he started a brand new, powerful, amazing. All the angels were amazed. It was one of the mysteries of all time. He then, for the race that we're running, sent his own spirit, the exact same power that raised Jesus from the dead came into every true born again believer. So I always say this, you need to make sure you're born again. I need to make sure you're born again. You can't, you're only going to be in that track if you're not born again. So what to be born again, and I know you all know this, but we need to, sometimes we need to get with the real basics because we can get so out there and all this other stuff that we don't get it. You've got to get up in the morning and basically look in the mirror and say, you got God living in you, you got today. Satan's under your feet because Jesus put him there. No weapon formed against you can prosper. And you got to kind of wake up with the devil's going to have a hard time if he even tries to mess with me today. Instead of, oh God, help me again. Oh God. Okay, don't pray that anymore. Get off of that track. You're, you're living in a spirit of error. You're living in a place where God is not operating. God operates in faith. He does not operate based on need. Amen? Faith is the substance of things hoped for, earnestly expected, but not seen yet. So, let me know if God operates in faith, as soon as you get to uh, the victory in whatever you're at, there's going to be another place to go. Because yeah. we have a God faith. We have a God full of faith. He's okay. He knows as long as you don't give up in this and you endure... And you continue to believe and not, not deny Jesus Christ as Lord, right? He knows when you flop into heaven, whether you run in victoriously or you get the tar beat out of you and somehow get there. Amen? He going to pick you up and wipe everything off, dry your tears, and you going to be like, Wow! Wow, why was I trying so hard? <laughs> you know, it's like, I didn't know you at all, God. See, he wants us to know him. All right, so let me say this. Get off of the condemnation, pity party. Help me, help me, help me, God. You just don't understand. If I had this, if I had that, stop it. And can I say, we got lots of teaching to help you. Don't bring it through these doors and expect to draw away everybody's attention from their race that they're in and what God's calling us to do in this hour by trying to get us to run alongside you on your track that goes nowhere okay? Your track goes nowhere. I'm not going nowhere with you anymore, okay? I'm not going there. I tried to get you off your track and get you on a track where you're looking at Jesus, the author and finisher of your faith. So I'm just putting the word out. If you say, well, I haven't been here that long. Okay, get off that track now, okay? We're not going there. If you don't know how, listen to teachings on condemnation. It'll get you off that track. Get it, get, listen to the teachings on victim no more. It'll get you off that track. Amen? So let me just say this, since we're training up leaders and pastors, quit running alongside people on the wrong track. Amen. Quit enabling people and calling it ministry. Can I hear amen? Amen. Quit enabling your children and calling it ministry. Here's what is enabling. Let me come on. We're supposed to come alongside people. That's true leadership. True leadership. If you look up that word. It means to come alongside. It says. I'm going to come alongside you. And I'm going to help you see Jesus. I'm going to help you. Get free enough to walk with him. And to know him. And to get you on the track. Where he is everything. And you're looking to him. I'm going to be used by Holy Spirit. To help to connect you. To the headship of Christ. Because you will never win. This race. Or this good fight. Unless you are hearing God, walking with God and connected to the headship of Christ. Can I get an amen? amen. So I'm going to put this out there. And, and for like I said, we're training up leaders here. And if you're interested in that, you need to come on Tuesday nights. But we are also got lots of pastors who will be seeing this. Quit enabling people to be dependent upon you. Just quit it, it's not helping anybody. And it's going to wear you out and drag you down. And not that people mean to do that, but it'll actually stop you from running the race set before you. So I'm putting notice out there, I'm only running the race set before me. I'm not circling those tracks with you any longer. Does that mean I can't call you? Well, if you got my phone number, you can call me and I can answer if I want. If you don't have my phone number, call, call Karen at the office, amen? <laughs> and she could decide. it doesn't mean, now, if you're on that wrong track right now, you're like, oh, they don't care about me. Oh, they don't love me. Oh, no, they care enough about you to not keep running in the same dead-end circle. It's not even dead-end. In the same way are you out, where everybody else out, and nobody's looking to Jesus. Amen? So, when you're ready to get off of the spirit, the track of condemnation, Satan's so big, poor little you, when you're ready to get off of the victim mentality track, which only unbelievers should even be on, and run the race that's set before you, when you make that decision, Then, and I'm telling this to people who are going to be doing groups. When you start doing groups and somebody's on that track, don't let them take your whole group on that track. Oh, we don't get anywhere. But, oh my gosh, it was so good. It was so good. You know, oh, we got to talk about how sad things are. We got to talk about how sick we are. We got to talk about how bad things are. We got to go in and sow more seeds for Satan to keep beating the tar out of you. Amen? That's not ministry. That's enabling. Enabling the devil to destroy people. Amen? So get off that track. Get up. That's the wrong race. So now before you're born again, you have to be on that track or you're on a fake track of your winning. But you're still going in a circle. You just don't even know it. Amen? So, so as we're learning how to minister... This is the same for with your children. This is the same for in your secular job. This is the same for if people come to you. Whatever. You've got to get off that wrong track. If you're just looking for people on that track so you can feel good about yourself, I promise you, you'll find them. There's always somebody who wants somebody to take care of them. Who wants somebody to listen to all the moaning and complaining and all this stuff. There's always somebody does that mean we don't have compassion? You know, when I ask the Lord for compassion, compassion is Jesus didn't have burdens. I can't find the word burden once applied to God. Burden is like a, an overwhelming a sense of, of, a, of need that, that's not being met. God doesn't operate based on need. He even says in the Old Covenant, quit saying I have a burden. Can go look it up. Amen. So I asked the Lord for Jesus. I said, Well, Lord, there's no there's no connection with you in the word burden in, in the new covenant. So what is it when we feel um, a stirring by your spirit to intercede, to pray, to do something? And the Lord said, That's compassion. Amen. See, we can have faith, hopefully. And next Tuesday, we're going to deal with pretended faith and how to spot it and how to get it out of your life and, and how to hate it and how it can really set you up to hurt yourself and others. Amen? But, but we need to see there are two places of authority and power. Okay, there's two places of authority and power in Christ Jesus. Jesus saw their faith and healed them. Okay? He didn't heal them with his faith. He saw their faith. And their faith drew the power of God into their situation. Okay, does everybody get that? You can't loan somebody else your faith. Okay? You can't, I can't give you my faith. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. Faith comes by reading God's word and Holy Spirit revealing it to you and talking to you about it. And then usually you're going to put it in practice and find out, wow, that really works. Amen. And then you're going to be built up in your most holy faith. And you can pray in tongues and get revelation from God being built up in your most holy faith. You can't be built up in my most holy faith. Amen? Now, we're not going to get into it all. There is a gift of faith, and that's God's faith supernaturally jumping out to get you to believe something that He wants done that has nothing to do with you. And it's actually one of, one of the gifts. It's one of the gifts of the Spirit. Amen? And it's a powerful gift. People who have that gift of faith, or when God, when God drops that gift of faith, His faith in, it always works. Always works. Amen? And if you start to think that was you, Then you might find out really quickly (laughs) at the next trial, oh, that wasn't me. Amen? But isn't that awesome that this powerful God has a gift of his spirit that he can put out there for his purposes and his will and to get people to the next place called a gift of faith. And that's his faith that's the faith when you do stuff you would have never had faith for i'll give you an example we were in the philippines and we were being chased by something or somebody and we had to go, <laughs> and the van we were in could not go through the the gate opening that we had to go through well we did not have our faith that that van's going to squeeze up amen but as we kept going the van squeezed up and we went through and then we're all like Amen. That was God's supernatural faith. God's supernatural faith will have you do what's totally impossible to do, and you're sitting there going, "How did we do that?" Amen. Um, another example: we, we we went. I had a wrong attitude, different things, and if Pastor Dominguez watching this, he'll laugh because I told him the story. But we were going to Aurora. In the Philippines, which is an awesome place, one of my favorite places to go. Um, But getting there is a bear. And back, 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 the first time we went, oh my gosh, they'd have guardrails. uh, uh, When you talk about mountains, you guys, you never see anything like this, like straight up. I mean, just wild. Just like, even if you never get carsick, almost, (laughs) we've had quite a few people had to get out who got carsick. It's just amazing. And they just drive it all night and, Wild. Anyway, now it's a little, little bit more safe and stuff. But so we were going there and I had a wrong attitude. So thank God for mercy. We also hit, I think we had a typhoon when we got there too. I, I was get rid of wrong attitudes. Amen. God's still faithful. But we, we don't know how we did it. We were all drunk in the Holy Spirit because we were, it was freaky anyway. But we ended up going a different way, which we don't know to this day how we got there. And the other group that went actually got to a place where there was no bridge. And they literally took um, wood pieces and put them across this big old gully. You couldn't jump it, let's just say that. I don't know how long it was, but it was too long to jump across. And they put down wood. This is the part that cracks me up. Instead of them walking over it. They all got in the van and drove over it. I'm like, oh my gosh. It was like, it's either all of us or none of us. You know what I mean? <laughs> but I, I know God knows when we got there, we would have had the uh, adventurous spirit that our missions director Nilo had. And so God somehow got us to this place, never getting to that. To this day, nobody knows how we got there. And we got there about the same time as them. So I don't know what happened, but somehow God's faith jumped in and supernaturally got us to a place that we were going, even though I had the wrong attitude way back then. And he took care of us. How, How great is God, amen? Aren't you glad that God is so big that even though we're immature and walking this stuff out, he's this powerful daddy who's taking care of us, amen? So let's see he's faithful even when we're not and get rid of the lie where we've done everything. See, if you're on this wrong track, if you're on this wrong track, this wrong race, then I've tried so hard. I've read the word. I've watched teaching. I've gone to meetings. Your whole attitude is wrong. Your whole attitude says, I'm faithful, but God's not. I'm faithful, but God's not. I'm faithful, but God's not. Well, who is that God? Jesus Christ. Heavenly Father and Holy Spirit, our God, is always faithful, even when we're not. So start breaking these lies, start breaking these traditions, start breaking these mindsets that you got, because you were messed up. Maybe people who taught you before were messed up, and you put those things in as truth. They are not truth. God is faithful. You missed it, not him. Amen? Amen? While we're talking about spirit of error... Get rid of the lie of the priest of the home. There's no such thing. I mean, if you're married to a priest of the home, then let him do dishes. Let him vacuum, paint, do the flooring, cut the grass. Honey, you just be the priest of the home. You just go for it, you know. <laughs> Amen. You just be the priest. <laughs> do what you want to the home. Amen. Amen. There are kings and priests unto the Lord in the new covenant. They are not male or female. They are born again believers in the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. And you will not find anything different than that in scripture. And yet there's entire books written and putting women in bondage, putting couples in bondage, and and just blaming each other for things. Well, if, if the priests of the home would have just believed. No, if you have faith... One believing spouse sanctifies the children and makes them holy. Thank God, right? God's like, God's doing everything he can to save the marriage, not cause you to blame each other and get angry. Amen. But the spirit of error and the devil wanting to destroy marriages, he does the other. And then anybody who buys into that doctrine is in, is in a really bad place of the enemy trying to destroy your marriage, just to be honest. But that's another whole teaching. And... Um, And we got teaching on that at our mentorship and partnership page, if anybody wants to check it out. Okay, so basically, we've got to make sure as leaders and ministers that, that first of all, we're running the correct race. Amen? In the race that we run, according to God's word, we are not competing with anyone else. So if you have competition in your heart... You're in the wrong race. If there's more than one person on the racetrack with you, you're in the wrong race. Now you're in a race of selfish ambition. Now you're in a race of competition. Now you're in the race of comparing yourself to others. Now you're in a race where God's like, Hey, (laughs) I can't be, I don't participate in that. So, so I want everybody to be excited that you are in a race where it's just you and God. Okay, where's the scripture? Let's see if we can find that. This is totally not what I thought we were preaching. So surprise there, huh? Does that surprise everybody? <laughs> <laughs> Hebrews 12, 1 through 2. Uh, I don't know. Y'all better tell me in a minute. <laughs> all right. Therefore, since we have such a great cloud of witnesses surrounding us. All right. And if you go back, the cloud of witnesses are all the saints that have gone before us who we see in the word of God. And I believe it's every single person who's run this race and has won and has victory are now have a place in heaven as part of what they do is to cheer us on in our races. Amen. And the Lord gave me this after my daughter died. And he said, look, when, when, you're, when you're running your race and you're doing what I've called you to do, she's going to be cheering you on. She's going to see what's happening. So I always tell my, my sons, I'm like, your sister sees me more than you do. Because I'm just going to run the race. Amen. So she has view all the time. Because in heaven, they don't really, they're not concerned with what you're doing in the flesh. Just so you know. When they're in heaven, I don't think they get to see that. They don't get to see if you're sad. They don't get to see if you're happy. They're not looking at your birthday parties. You know, they're not looking at home videos. Why? Because when you get to heaven, you have completely the mind of Christ. You completely have an understanding, a kingdom understanding. And now... Now you are so excited to get like, oh my gosh, that's what was happening when I was on the earth. That's what God was after. So now, especially those who've overcome, I believe they get to cheer on those who are running that race because they want you to recognize the author and the finisher of your faith. They want you to glorify Jesus Christ. Everyone in heaven has one desire for what they want on the earth now. They want us to glorify God. Can we get that desire? Can we begin to say, you know what? I want my life to glorify God. Okay, let's all, let's all say, I want my life, my life. to glorify God. glorify God. Now actually say it like you mean it. I want my life to glorify God. Whoa, say it like you actually mean it. I want my life to glorify God. To glorify God. Let me tell you, if you can't get past the poor me, then you're not in agreement with that truth. So you've got to start believing what God says. If you only want your life to glorify God, it's going to change the race you're running. Cuz you know that round around poor me, I never changed, God never touches me, he never helps me. Why doesn't he help? Why do you? Th- th- that's not glorifying God in that race. Amen. That's the devil got you going around and around one round. Nobody's cheering you on there, just so you know. Okay. They're not being going, oh there there they go again. Oh there oh no. Oh there they go to that doctor. Oh there they go to that doctor. Oh there they go after that man. Oh there they go after that man. Oh there they go failing there. Oh there they go again. Oh there they go to that. Oh there they're not up there watching that. Amen? But if you're running the race God has for you to run and you're glorifying God, that's your whole purpose of running. Your whole purpose of running is I want to glorify God. What did Jesus say? I've come to do the will of my father that he might be glorified. Amen. So what does glorified mean? Glorified means for God to get the credit, the the applause, For people to understand how good he is and how great he is, for him to get the glory. Okay, so get this: in the wrong race, Satan wants the glory, and when Satan gets the glory, it takes away from who in your in your little wrong race. It makes you see God small and the devil big. In your little race where the devil gets the glory, you never overcome. You stay a victim. You never get past your issues. You never get past your problems. And and as I'm teaching this to leaders, first of all, hopefully they're in the right race. Don't stay in a church or a Bible study group or a ministry group or anything else where they're not running the correct race. Well, the, the Word of God says, Paul has his heart. He says, imitate me as I imitate Christ. And to really break that down, he's saying, look, as you watch me walk this thing out with God, you guys do it. He's not saying, wear the same kind of clothes I wear and talk the way I talk and, and you know, try to have my mannerisms. He's not saying, be my little clone and say I'm your spiritual father. Amen. He's basically saying, look. He kind of, if you look at the whole story of Paul's life and you really look at it, what is Paul doing? He's going through all kinds of stuff and he's showing you what it looks like to to have to draw close to God. He's showing you what it looks like to have powerful revelations, but then get puffed up. He's showing you what it looks like to beg God to take away something, but God's gonna give you the grace to overcome because that something's allowed to be there because you're so puffed up. I mean, Paul is walking it out and if people would see that correctly and not try to make a suffering doctrine out of Paul walking things out? You could actually understand when he says, hey, as I learn to walk this out, can you? So I just want to tell this to all the leaders and if you start doing some groups, Bible studies of Trump, whatever. You As you grow in God and as you learn and as you walk this out based on his word. Amen. Yielded to his spirit. Living in uh, the revelations of God. But also having the character of Christ being formed in you at the same time. Amen. Then no people are supposed to watch you. So that's why your children are watching you people. So you can say it all you want. But you're a hypocrite if what you're saying isn't what... You're preaching. So if you, if, you, if you really confuse a lot of people because of hypocrisy, then repent. And, and let me just add this while we're at it. Quit saying you didn't know. Admit you didn't read the Bible. <laughs> I mean, there was a time I was like, well, I didn't know that, Lord. I never heard that in church. He goes, well, you've had a Bible. You've had access to the Bible since you were old enough to read. You're right. See, with God, there's no excuse. Excuses are in the wrong track. It's like, well, that pastor told me that. Well, why, do you, why did you stay there? Why didn't you study to be approved? I, I will tell you this, God doesn't have any passing the buck. Buck stops with his like, No, why? Because there's nobody else in your race. There's nobody else in your race. So you can't pull somebody from the sidelines, get over here in my race. It's their fault, their fault. Because I don't see them. What are you talking about? Amen? Amen? And you're not even in the race till you get born again. But the minute you get born again, boom, you're in the race. Now, if you choose to get off the race and keep going in the old race of your past, and go in circles, you're not in the race. All right? All right. Since we have such a great cloud of witness surrounding us, let us get rid of every weight and entangling sin. All right. To run this race... And we have others who've gone before us, these witnesses. And if you study the people in the cloud of witness in the book of Hebrews, you can go and actually see where they messed up. See where, wow, they're in there and all this stuff. God is saying, the other saints have gone before you and they made it up here. Amen. And what I taught them, you can go and learn from. And he's saying, if you get that, you'll also know you've got to get rid of every weight, um, entitlements of weight. And Abeline's a weight it's all these excuses as a weight. I'm thinking all the clothes I've been going through and sorting, Lord, how do not want? To, why did we throw that one in? anyhow <laughs> i could I could put a picture up there right now It would make everybody go, "Oh my gosh you've got to be kidding me, but I won't. Come on, Lord, I really like all my clothes. anyhow, they're not an idol, they're not an idol, anyhow. <laughs> You, you, y'all are smiling. You have no idea. You have no idea. Maybe at the end of the meeting, I'll show you this picture. You'll be like, oh my gosh. We have to pray for pastor. Anyway, all right. You get rid of every weight and entangling sin. So he's like, deal with blatant sin issues that entangle you and cause you to keep from running. Think if, if, if something entangles me, right? Okay, so so let's say I'm running, here I go. And there's something that grabs around my feet. Like if you're running through like, and there's all these vines and things and they start tangling you up, what's it gonna, you can't go forward. You're like trying to untangle, right? He says, so he's saying sin will keep entangling you and stop you from running your race. So when people think they're running the race, but they're still drinking, They're still cussing, they're still smoking, they're still sleeping around, they're still gaming garbage, they're still preoccupied with mess, okay? That's an entanglement from sin. A weight, a weight can be you're worried about everything, and what's going to happen to your kids, and what's going to happen with your health. Those things aren't necessarily sins. They could have sins that have opened the door for that, but also spirit of error can open the door for you to think you're supposed to be sick or whatever. Amen? So basically he's saying, you need to get rid of those things that weigh you down and make you always try to figure everything out, control everything, handle everything. You need to deal with that. And you need to deal with sin. Sin is going to be an entanglement and these other things are gonna weigh you down. You're not gonna run very fast in a race if you're weighed down. So if you go ahead and take all what belongs to God, let's say you're carrying all the problems of your family, all the problems of your grandchildren, all the problems of a spouse, and, and all, the problem, all the financial problems, all the problems, all the worry, all the things, how can this happen? Okay, so now you're running a race we could, we could talk to Ricardo about this. With with this gigantic bunch of weight. I'm running fast here. He's like, okay, so think of running this race, holding up a really, you know, truckload of weight. And you've got entanglements all around. Okay. <laughs> So you get sin entangling you, worries and problems and taking control of stuff. When you, How many know that's what some of your races look like from heaven's view? Even if you're not in the condemnation, going on the wrong track, you're on the right track. You're in the race. There's a cloud of witness going, hurrah, come on, you can do it. And you're like, I'm tripping, (laughs) and then you're like, aren't I something? Look, look what I'm, look what I'm doing, because I, ah! Let go of the weight, the worry, the control, the trying to handle everything, the tyrant we've been talking about. Get rid of it. You know, I was talking a little bit about tyrant. And we want authority in our nation. So we have to get rid of the tyrant spirit in our hearts and in our churches. So I'm like, and it's a Pharisee spirit, it's a tyrant spirit. Basically, see, the Lord was telling me, he said, you know, Cindy, when you, when you go overseas for me and I get you to do this completely impossible things that you have no idea what you're doing, you don't try to do it. That's why I have so many adventure stories overseas because I end up in the wildest situations and who are our team and God just takes care of us. And I have this really strong faith. He's going to take care of us. And my, my thinking is, well, I didn't ask for this. This isn't even something I necessarily ever thought about doing. Therefore God's got me here. He's going to take care of it. Right? The so Lord said, well, why don't you think that I have you also in your house? I have you in your local church. I have you doing that. Why do you think I won't totally take care of those things too? Let that rush over the room, amen. <laughs> amen. Okay. Go out through the through the Facebook page and the beautyfrashist.org page, just kind of hit everybody like, oh. You get what I'm saying? And Lord's like, so let go of that. You think you can control that because you've had that in your life so much. So it doesn't seem like an adventure in God. It seems like a day-to-day life. And the Lord said, but when you try to control that, that's a tyrant spirit. Our whole na- our nation, the whole world is coming under a spirit of a tyrant spirit, which is somebody oppressing you, trying to tell you what to do, when you can do it, how to do it, Right? But you got that spirit in your own heart. If you have a spirit of control telling you how it should be done, when it should be done. What, and you need to get that out before you really hurt your children. Amen? And if you, it's too late, you need to repent, get free and ask them to forgive you. Amen? We're supposed to be led by the Holy Spirit. Always. Not just overseas. Not just when we're counseling. Not just when we're ministering. Not just when we're in a really scary situation. Always. How many go, oh Lord. See, we we get this place where we think we can do this. We do this every day. We can do this. He's like, okay, well, I'll just go take a vacation from you until you're somewhere where you can't do it and then talk to me about it. (laughs) We were not created to do life without God in charge. Okay, we were not created to do life without God in charge. Amen? And so the Lord's like, in this race, the real race, get rid of these heavy weights, all this worry, all this concern, tyrant spirit, how I'm going to do it. I got to do this. If I don't do this, they won't turn out right. If I don't do this, this is going to happen. And you have all these preconceived ideas and judgments and everything else. Amen? Don't you just feel heavy already just talking about it? And then if you actually still have sin issues, like you can't quit gossiping or you're still drinking or smoking or fornicating or whatever, you're straight out, you know it's a sin thing. I mean, we've got people who, who, who thought they were real spiritual, who, who are potheads. They don't even know that's an entanglement of sin. You can't be running the correct race. You can be running it, but very slowly, right? Because if something's wrapped around your feet entangling you, you're not winning that race. All right. Then he goes, once you dealt with these things, let us run with endurance. The race set before us. What does that mean? That means this is not a fast, um, what do they call those? Remember when we were in school and they used to have those presidential, uh, remember we had to do that thing in gym? I don't know if they do this anymore or not, but we had that presidential, remember, what did they call that? Physical fitness. The physical fitness test. And they had that little fast one, you know, like, I don't know how many, whatever. I was real good at that one. I was like, I always got a really good grade there. Like, mark it, set, go. I can do the fast one. But then they had that long run. Like, <laughs> you know, go around again. <laughs> then you always have this, they pace it all out. They got it down. I'm like, I'm fast. And then I'm like, <sighs> I actually always took it on that one too, believe it or not. But... But so, so God, this race is that long race. This is not the little fast one. And then you can look at scriptures about when, when the sea goes on ground, but then the tangled, the weeds take it. And there's really yay for a few minutes and then it's gone. How many know we've had people in this church and, and they were all for God. They went for it, but boy, their race Piddled down to nothing fast. Amen. And they really did have the weights. And they really did have the sin that entangled them. And eventually it took them completely out of the race. Can I get an amen? amen? And so the Lord's like showing us in this. This is serious. This is a serious race. All right. He wants us to run with endurance the race set before us. So to endure is to. Overcome. Kind of see this race as an obstacle course. Amen. Because if I have to endure. It's going to be long. There's going to be some obstacles. Even without the sin issues and the weight. There's going to be some obstacles. Obstacles of what's going on in the world. Obstacles of what's going on in your family. Obstacles of of just different things. And he says run this race with endurance. Was this with patience. I'm seeing conviction hit a few of y'all right now. Some of you are like, oh, if we could just get past this. Well, you can't wait till they're 18 or 22. Because this race doesn't end until you land in the arms of Jesus. So enjoy whatever part of enduring you're in. Because if you don't, and you run the race as if if I get past this, it'll be okay. You're actually missing the whole idea of learning to run a race. Can I get an amen? And so I always say, learn quickly. Amen? Why? Because if I learn quickly the ways of God, what's gonna carry me in this race? It rhymes with race. Race. Grace, woo hoo! Not face. Not pace, but grace, amen? So I'm gonna write, grace is a supernatural empowerment of God to bring you all the things that he's promised you. You can't earn it. You can't work for it. It's given to you by God in this gift called grace. Amen? It has favor, it has peace, it has every promise right there, amen? And so the Lord's like, run this race. But if you can't get out of your head about when this is over. Remember we talked we started this whole session tonight talking about the times we're living in? So so just get this. I really believe with all my heart the Holy Spirit showed me or actually the Lord came and spoke with me. I really believe we are in we're just now in the times of trouble or sorrow, okay? Like the childbirth thing. And nobody knows how long that is because a day can be a thousand years to the Lord. Amen. But it does mean it is a set time set up in the kingdom calendar and on his clock of a time that's preparing a people and taking them to a place of enduring to handle. They're either being perfected and depending on what you believe, if the church is going to be here during those seven years or three and a half or whatever, you know, I'm not going to get into all that. Because I personally believe some of the church will be here the whole time, because Jesus does a parable and only half of the virgins who are called to be the bride get in. Can I get an amen? Jesus doesn't make up stuff, amen. And if that scares you, then it means you're not running the race. You just thought you was going to get in because they're going to get in, because those other virgins tried to get in later and he's like too late. It didn't say they weren't going to get into heaven. It says they weren't going to get into that supper of the Lamb, which is in the book of Revelations before the return of Christ. And anyone who teaches that it's, it's not till after the return of Christ, then they're missing it. Because you can look in scripture and find it really clearly where it's at in scripture. And it's before he comes back to Armageddon. Can I get an amen? But it doesn't tell you how far it is before they come back. Because God's also, his wrath is poured out, I believe, in the last three and a half years, which he does cause those who walk with him and love him and are obedient to him to miss his wrath. Amen? Amen? But that other three and a half year of persecution and the Antichrist coming in reign and the rest of the whole world going along with it, I personally believe we will probably be here, be in great light during great darkness. Amen? And anybody who's afraid of that needs to get a deeper place in God. I'm cool about shining in darkness. Amen? Amen? My thing, the, the, I, I know the wrath of the Lord is not going to pour out on me. Just like I believe in the Passover. Just like I believe that he marks. There are people he marks in the book of Revelations who are believers. And they're down here. Amen. So we all see in part. And we know what we just have to start looking at all the parts. Amen. Just don't take that mark of the beast. If you happen to be here then. And I won't get in the, the first thing God showed me, one well, of the first things he had me start understanding is the book of Revelation as soon as the 2020 chaos came. And I, I've read it and read it and read it, but I never preached it. He would literally come to the Holy Spirit and teach it to me. For real, it was amazing. And the first place he took me was about the mark of the beast. Because he said, this isn't the time of the mark of the beast. It's very clear the mark of the beast cannot happen until the Antichrist is setting up in the temple in Israel, in Jerusalem, and saying he's God. So you don't have, I'm not telling you to take the you know what that's out there, okay? (laughs) But I'm telling you this with beyond a shadow of a doubt it's not the mark of the beast. It's not the mark of the beast. Is it trying to condition us for that? Of course. Everything right now is trying to condition us to, to be part of the great falling away. Everything right now. Am I saying, to, let me tell you this. I don't take any medications and when I have to because I go overseas and they make you and I'm okay with that because guess what? No poison shall harm me. No poison shall harm my family. My son took meds that the doctor said because of the amount he was going to have to take was going to cause him to be four feet tall, diabetic, and blind. Now, why not you have fun giving that to your kid? And no, I didn't want to. I'm not going to get into the whole pretended faith thing, but we had to do it. And I pleaded the blood, and it's a whole unbelievable testing I went through. And the bottom line was, when I made it sound so bad, so everybody wouldn't make my son take these, I had to repent. Because when the doctor had my son to take these so he could live and not die because we weren't at the place we needed to be yet for what we were asking God for. Can I get an amen? I had to then really cry and repent because I had prophesied evil things about him taking that to try to cause my husband and different people to not let him take it when it was out of my hands. Can I get an amen? Amen. And then, and I see some of you guys posting and doing this stuff online, just so you know. So I had to cry out for mercy that the stuff I prophesied about that particular meds would lose its power. And then the scripture says, you can get bit by a poisonous snake, people, that can kill you like that. And if you have faith and you're where God wants you to be, you can shake it off and keep talking. And the Lord said, you need to plead the blood and declare no poison shall harm him. Well, guess what? He's off the meds. He's doing great. Praise God. It's a whole big story. It's even about how God's going to get the church from being anemic prophetically. But I'm going to tell you this. He has perfect vision. He's six foot tall. And he doesn't have diabetes or anything. Actually, he's very healthy. Amen? So we need to start using wisdom and quit using fear as a weapon to make people receive a conviction that we may have. Can I get an amen? And let's right now break the power of every time we've used fear to try to get someone to see something our way. Does that sound good? Say, Heavenly Father, thank you that you have not given us a spirit of fear, but of your great love, your awesome power, and a sound mind. Forgive us for ever using fear to try to bring conviction into people's lives. Fear does not bring conviction. Fear produces evil results. I break the power of every evil Fruit that wants to come forth because of fear that I sowed. I ask you to forgive me. Get that out of my heart. Get that weapon of fear away from me. And thank you that it's by a supernatural spirit of conviction that you change people's hearts and minds. In Jesus' name, amen. Just that, you guys, was worth coming tonight. And the Lord's like, show me. Get these demonic weapons out of your um, arsenal. Amen? And a lot of people have been hurt by it. Aren't you thankful for repentance? Aren't you thankful how the blood... The power of the blood of Jesus Christ and what he paid can wipe away all the mess that we've walked into with, with spirits of error, not understanding. Amen. Don't you feel it? I feel like the whole room just got lighter. Amen. <laughs> so yay. Thank God. I mean, will you really let God start to show you where you missed it? Cause he doesn't and nobody else can miss it for you. So quit blaming anybody else. It's not a doctor who can make you miss it. Amen? It's not a teacher. It's not a spouse. If you missed it, guess who missed it? Say, I could miss it. But by God's grace, he can turn it to good. And help me not to miss it again. By understanding his ways. Amen. Teach me your ways, oh God. Teach me your ways, oh God. I don't want to miss it again. If we hang on to pride and oh, I didn't miss it, this other person missed it. and You don't realize how much glory you're giving the devil. You don't realize how many people you're hurting by holding on to a lie that causes people to, to blame others. See, this is where the freedom is. No one can mess up my life but me. So I don't have to try to make my husband do everything right and make my kids do everything right and make this happen and that happened and take on the tyrant thing. And if it wasn't for me, then all the, forget it. It doesn't work that way. But the spirit of air that's taught in the church many times produces that. Amen. Thank God. The, the, the one of the, Greatest gifts to the husband and wife is that God sees sees them as one flesh, not one spirit. That's a whole other story. If you think you're one spirit with anybody, you need to break the power of that. It's demonic. It's not of God. The only one that I am one spirit with is the Holy Spirit. And everything in the flesh is a representation of something that's a spiritual truth. So I'm the God sees me and my husband as one flesh, which means he's given us authority for each other. Not against each other, but for each other. So if something's going on and my husband doesn't see it, I can see it and I can walk in that place of authority. That's why the priest of the home doctrine stinketh. It tries to give the husband all the authority and then the husband... Has to try to make things happen, and then everything's his fault. And then you got this little wife so mad and trying to control him and get to church, read this, do that. It's his fault that this happened. Can you see what a mess this is? And God says, "Well, you know, one believing, one believing, um, one believe in spouse sanctifies the children, makes them holy." God, everything in God's word is to stop this kind of blaming stuff. Amen. He's not about that. He's about freedom. It's for freedom he sets us free. But, but. In, in his way of doing things, he says, because of what you represent as a husband and wife in Christ, what you represent about the bride, groom Jesus and his bride and the oneness in spirit, what we represent in the flesh has a powerful reality that he's given me authority to help my husband. He's given my husband authority to help me. He's given it. So if one misses it, the other can get it amen and so you don't blame anybody you realize wow we have a double <laughs> we have a we have double the potential of getting this thing amen because of the way god sees us and he gives us the authority as one amen it's amazing, actually. We won't get into all that tonight either. But I'm telling you some of the most powerful things. We've got to get the spirit of error out of the church. One thing the apostolic move of God is going to do is clean up all this wrong doctrine. Amen? And you can start listening and starting to see it uh, break forth in places where people are preaching deeper truth and, and revelations. Not strange stuff, but stuff to, to clear things up. And I've been waiting for it and praying for it and knowing God was going to bring it. And I'm getting excited because it's going to start being revealed over and over and over. All right, let me get back here. We're like, how far are we going to get? I don't know, you guys. All right. All right, here we go. Let us run this race set before us. Here's Here's the key. Everybody listen. You listening? Okay. This is key. You're not in the right race if you're not doing this. Focusing on Yeshua or focusing on Jesus. So the race we're running has a single focus. Jesus. He is the finish line. Amen. He's the finish line. He's the one empowering us in this race. He's the one taking us through this race. The whole idea of this race is to run to Jesus is to see Jesus, is to see Jesus revealed, to reveal Jesus to others. Think about it. If I'm running this race and I'm looking to Jesus, the author and finisher of my faith, if I'm seeing Jesus, if I'm learning more about Jesus, guess what? When people see me seeing Jesus, they're going to want to get saved. If Jesus be lifted up all men. And then what happens? They start running that race. They're not to chase after me. They get their own race. Amen. They get to be in their own race. When they're born again, when you're born again, you are now at the beginning line of this race. Now, some people stay at the beginning line their whole lives. But remember, this is a race of endurance. So the the more I'm led of God, the harder I run, so to speak, the more I go after him with everything. The more I say focus on him, the further I'm going to get on this earth and the things of the kingdom. All right, focusing on Yeshua, focusing on Jesus, the initiator and perfecter of my faith. Now, if you love this teaching, and you better say you love this teaching.